Marin City can be stereotyped, crime-ridden, slum. People don't want anything for themselves. That is not true at all. Marin City has such a beautiful, rich history of people, people who really just wanted the best for themselves, wanted for their families. A lot of the history haven't been actually shared. For the Marin Council of Chambers, I'm Stephanie Plant, and this is We Are One Marin. Today's guest practically needs no introduction. She's lived and worked in Marin City for more than 30 years. She's both a youth advocate, and these days, she's becoming an historian. Felicia Gaston is the director of Performing Stars Marin, an arts enrichment program with a mission to combat the isolation of Marin City's children. Stay tuned for the second episode in our three-part special this month, where Felicia shares how Marin City's history has been gifted to her and how she plans to highlight it through the upcoming MC80 events. Here's today's look at how Marin works, then and now. I am honored to be here today with what I would consider to be Marin City royalty. Mm-hmm. So Thank much you. so with such a beautiful, storied career that I would like to let her introduce herself. Well, Felicia Gaston, Executive Director of Performing Stars of Marin, which is a nonprofit organization, founded 32 years ago, founded on a zero budget, a dream and an idea to help change and transform children who live in low-income communities in Marin County. We're based in Marin City, but we do serve children and families throughout the whole Marin County. Our program has evolved over the years by starting with primarily providing arts programming, connecting children with scholarships to go to professional training, uh, Marin Ballet, Marin Theater Company, Marin Shakespeare, the Mountain Play, But then over the years, other organizations started providing what we call non-arts enrichment. So do they want to learn how to sail on the ocean? Do Hmm. they want to learn how to roll? Do they want to learn how to surf? As a director, I I always wanted to make sure our children experience all of these great opportunities and resources in Marin County. And that's actually how we all started, just connecting them with all of the the best of the best here Mm. and not just having our children be isolated and also incorporating social skills and manners along the way and incorporating a a lot of the principles that I grew up with, uh, with my parents and grandparents in Georgia. Well, and to be clear, started 32 years ago by you. Yes. So you have been running this organization the entire time. Yes, I have. What inspires and, you, Felicia? Um, you know, growing up in Georgia, it was during the time of segregation. And I, I remember being this young girl at age of five. I remember going to visit my grandmother because she had finally moved to another part in the suburbs in Georgia and I would pass by this school and it was a ballet school and I would see these little white girls and these little leotards and ballet slippers and I would just be peeking out the window being a spectator on the outside and I knew I wanted to do this ballet but I knew not to ask because my mother would say no it's not available it was just in the air you did certain things you know don't even ask. Hmm. So just having that feeling of wanting to do something and couldn't, you know, stayed inside of me. And also 
as I kept getting older and my mother remarried, we moved to Los Angeles. So I finally was able to take ballet at this, uh, it was owned by uh, a black woman in Lamert Park in Southern California. And I, I just, it just brought back all those memories. Mm. But then moving to Marin County, I was working for a nonprofit organization and the Marin Ballet, they brought the Nutcracker, mini version of the Nutcracker to Marin City. And that just stirred up all of that feeling again as a little girl. And I approached the board president at the time. Her name is Phyllis Thielen. Phyllis is remarkable. Yes, she is. And Phyllis got it right away. She said, you get the children. We'll provide the scholarships and the leotards. And it started with uh, eight children from mm -hmm. Marin City. And so that it opened up the doors for the Marin Theater Company. Uh, all of these groups were wanted to reach out in the community, especially Marin City. But it's challenging if you don't know who to go to because there's several nonprofit organizations, but everyone wasn't really interested in the arts the way I was, and so we became that link, you know, making sure that we connected with the parents, hmm. making sure the parents completed the paperwork. And then now it's like, how do you get the children from Marin City to the Marin Ballet? And we didn't have a van at the time, so I would use my car. I think hmm. I went through three cars back and forth because I used to have to do a lot of <laughs> shopping. Ballet schools in San Rafael, in right? San Rafael. Dominican University. Yes, and then other volunteers because, of course, I couldn't put all the kids into my one car. So it just, it just started blossoming from there. It's so interesting that you grew up in a community in the South where you were not allowed to do something. You said it was just in the air. You just yeah. knew that the segregation would prevent you. And you came to... Marin City in a county that is 85% white and you're in the enclave in our county that is predominantly black and it stuck with you. Yes. What really made it exciting is when I took the first group of young girls from Marin City and for them to put the leotards on and the slippers. <laughs> and then that's when I, I felt like I was that little girl again. You were wearing your own tutu right <laughs> alongside of them, I bet. Aww. But it's um, following the protocol because, you know, your hair has to be in a bun. Well, it was challenging because we got the cornrows and the mm -hmm. big ponytails. Mm -hmm. and But we always still made it work because the parents were super excited of that they wanted their children have this new experience. Well, there are so many groups now, nonprofits in the county. I th I'm thinking about um, even where we get the music for the podcast from Elm, where the mission is about the arts are a right, not a privilege. Yes. And, I mean, you've been working from that premise for a long time. Yeah. And the beauty, too, is that the Nonprofit organizations also wanted that to happen. I think there was, I'm thinking 32 years ago, it wasn't happening on this level. So, for instance, even our partnership with Marin Theater Company, it happened the next year. The Mountain Play said, can you bring some kids up to Mount Tam? And I, we would pass by this mountain all the time. I'm never thinking there's a live theater and it's been going on for almost a hundred years so even just that experience of taking the kids to the mountain play they would get sponsors to provide a bus 
tickets, cushion seats, lunch, T-shirts. And and I remember the first experience of just riding up that mountain, that scary mountain at the time, and going through the windy <laughs> roads. car sick mountain. Yes. That was uh, my commute every day in high school. <laughs> Mr. Hurt Wade. Uh, yeah. As a matter of fact, we just went last Saturday to see Hello, Dolly. And one of the little kids said, we're way above the sky. <laughs> you know, so, and it's uh, something that they will never forget. And mm-hmm. even though they may not understand all of the, the place, it's all about the experience. I think the whole county and community are grateful. And I know there are many, many children, families, parents, grandparents who also feel the same way. Absolutely. Well, we're super proud because over the 32 years, we have served over 3,000 young people, and we get them Mm. at an early age. I always enroll them at the age of five, and it's important to get them early to lay that foundation, Mm -hmm. and so they have consistent classes either after school or on the weekend. So we have great success stories. I'm really proud to say that 99% of the kids have graduated from high school. Mm, And then about, I would say, half of them either go on to further their careers in higher education, or they go into some type of vocation, or they go get a job. So part of what Performing Starts is all about is incorporating the social skills to work ethic because you have to be somewhere on time. Kids know that this is the things that work to how you learn work skills. Preparation because, yeah, part yeah. of it, right? You can't mm-hmm. roll up at 10.05. Right. <laughs> Wait, yeah. where am I supposed <laughs> to stand? <laughs> yeah. Right. So after we started the ballet program in Marin City, then Phyllis was like, we got to go to the canal. Mm. So I connected with Community Action Marin and their child care center. And I remember going to the center and I was said, who wants to take ballet? And one young man, he grew up in the canal. Uh, his name is John Lamb. He was the only boy out of the maybe eight girls who said he wanted to take ballet. And he he just knew he wanted to dance. And he would come back from ballet class and would choreograph at the child care wow. center. Teaching he other kids. Teaching other kids because <laughs> he loved dance so much. Aww. And so I had other volunteers that would help him get to class because as you progress in ballet, you go more than one day a week. And next you know, he's going five days a week and it's getting ready for the Nutcracker. Hmm, wow. So he went on to the National Ballet School in Canada. Wow. And now he's a principal dancer at the Boston Ballet. Oh, yeah. Felicia. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Lots of great success I'm stories. Sure. Arthur's. So it's it's the little things become big, and it also incorporates pride in our community, too. Absolutely. Well, there are a few other sons of uh, Marin City that have actually been interviewed on our podcast already. We've spoken to Bishlam from Salon B in San Rafael, and also Paul Austin, who not only lives in Marin City still, but does some work that probably lines up quite nicely with what you do Yes, at Play um, Marin. Yes, I've known Paul for many, many years. He's such a, a fabulous leader, but even just to see him grow from working for another recreation center and then developing his own program, Play Marin, and he is a, a powerhouse, and he believes in getting the kids out of Marin City, too. So we partner a lot on uh, many projects a lot of times. And and, and I always call Paul 
when especially time to deal with the the crowd control because he just had this big voice but <laughs> and everybody just pays attention you know but um yeah he's doing an, a fabulous fabulous job and Bishlam I've known him since he was maybe a teenager so just to see him in his own business and what he's doing and you know his whole history with his his grandparents um another success story yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing. The events that um, might require crowd control lead me to thinking about Marin City and what we've been celebrating this year, which is the 80th anniversary. Well, I'm a historian, a culture keeper, so I would always just uh, record all the grandparents. Mm. And, and that's part of how I'm able to work on this Marin City 80 celebration. Um, many of them, if they were taking care of their grandkids, they would make sure that their grandkids participated in performing stars. Because my office is located in public housing in Marin City. Mm. The housing authority has donated this space. So I'm right where the people live, in the hood. Mm-hmm. And, and that made it safe for a lot of the grandparents at the time when I started performing stars, they actually would say, gone down there to Felicia's. They never said (laughs) performing stars. So when I met the grandparents and I started finding out a lot about their history, like what brought you out here? Then that's when I started learning about the pioneers who came to work in the shipyard days in World War II. We know about Marin Ship. We know about World War II. But you can live in Marin County, and unless you know someone who went to school there, you still don't know the true history of Marin City. But having that that history and, and them telling what happened with them when they first came here and um, how they bought a one-way ticket, they were not planning on going back to the Jim Crow South because they wanted to make a better life for themselves here. Plus, they were making way more money. I mean, it's, imagine you're making a dollar fifty an hour at the time as opposed to $0.50. Cent. Right. Mm-hmm. And all the other issues that you had to deal with in the segregated South and the Jim Crow South. So when it was a call to work, the government, like, we're looking for workers, they would get on a train or the bus one way and then so just listen to those stories I just kept you know kept those stories in mind and then one lady gave me a box of newspaper articles from 1942 to 45 and she said you're going to do something with this so I had no idea but the seed was planted Mm. then and so every time a newspaper article would come out in in the IJ, I would we love the IJ. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I would cut out the article and with the headline and the date, and I would just put them in boxes. Huh. And then every time I would get volunteers, either high school students or through the county probation department, or people had traffic tickets or DUIs, they could come and do community service. So I'm like, cut and paste, cut and paste the article. <laughs> That's, and they were like, this is easy. I don't have to work on the freeway. Yeah. Right? right. So next thing you know, these piles are just going down. The boxes are going down, going down, going mm-hmm. down. Six years ago, the Dominican University approached me, and they said, we have a, a community service learning project what would you like to do? I'm like, hmm. the light bulb goes out. Okay, you can bring interns. And they started helping archive all of these articles. So now these articles are in binders. 
no more boxes, <laughs> and they're all in Come these on, binders. Come on, the boxes are going to be in the museum someday, <laughs> too. But, and now they're scanning the articles. Mm. They're putting them in a spreadsheet. Uh, these interns are remarkable. And so last year, light bulb goes out. I'm like, Marinci is going to be 80 years old next year. This is the time to launch all of this history that I've been collecting. So part of the Marin City 80 is that we're going to have a series of planned events, celebrations, two publications, and ending with a big music festival on Labor Day. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. And part of why we wanted to talk to you was so that we could spread the word about those events. Maybe you could get just a little more specific about what's planned in August. Yes. So on August 20th, there's going to be the opening of the legacy of Marin City and the black experience is really sharing what has happened with the, the black people in Marin City when they came here. Uh, we have these newspaper articles with factual information speaking about developers, developers who came in right away post-war Marin City, like having conversations like, what are we going to do with the black people when the war is over? The war started in 42. The conversation started in 43. Hmm. We have the actual factual information because it's documented through the newspaper archives that I subscribe to. And just to look at developers who came in and purchased the land. So if anyone is familiar with Marin City, there's um, some condos at the top of the hill. So that's where all the government came and they built the housing and Bechtel was commissioned by the government to to build the shipyards in Sausalito. So here people are coming from the south, and but people were coming from all over. Marin City was very diverse. It was a mixture of people, but right away, the white families were offered like 4% loans to purchase homes. So the, in 43, they were already offered, but the redlining, there was redlining. I'm sure that's what Paul mm-hmm. uh, talked about. But it, in the real estate, it's like, do not sell to blacks. So there's all this restrictive covenants that we're going to feature. There was a a congressman named James Shoyer who purchased the land, and all of this happened at the county redevelopment agency because you had to get approval there. And so there's documentation. Because Marin City was unincorporated, right? There was no city government. No, right. Right. Yeah, so everything had, any plans had to go through there. Also looking at what, the blacks had to experience because they were always still stayed steadfast. They were like, we're not moving. (laughs) We're here to stay. And we're happy. You know, even the housing was deteriorating, you know, because it was only meant to be temporary anyway. We're going to talk about their social life. They started the Marin City Rod and Gun Club because they couldn't join the Rod and Gun Club that's here in Marin. So this Rod and Gun Club is Marin City is still going on now. Was hmm. starting in the fifties, and these men still go hunting and fishing. And wow. so we're going to feature that. Um, we're going to feature the fact that there was a quilting club. It was uh, in the fifties with women, white women in Sausalito, black women in Marin City, and they came together. And they just they put together this beautiful quilt, and on the quilt is Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass. And this quilt 
would travel to Sacramento State Fair and won a prize. And now it's in Atlanta, Georgia at some university. Oh, and wow. I'm, I'm hoping we can try to get this quilt back part of the museum. But it's also just going to feature how the projects were built and how Vera Schultz was the first woman supervisor in Marin. She went back to Washington, D.C., paid her own money to get better housing for Marin City. And that was in 58. Then she commissioned Aaron Green, which is a protege of Frank Lord Wright, who designed the Marin Civic Center. Mm -hmm. They brought the best of the best architects, you know, Lawrence Halpern, others who was wanted to make sure that Marin City projects were not just like other projects that were throughout the United States. So they designed it with yard space and with trees and beauty all around playgrounds and because they say just because they are poor in income doesn't mean that they have to look poor and so these apartments won uh, best design public housing in the whole United States um, when they were built. Now mm. granted these apartments have been deteriorating for a while but this is why there's a plan Royce McNamore, who runs the Golden Gate Village Resident mm -hmm. Council, has been very instrumental in making sure that they do not get torn down. Because, again, if you go through 80 years, it's it's been this constant fight to survive in Marin City. So Marin City 80 is dedicated to preserving the legacy of Marin City. We're going to let people really see what has happened from the black experience. But it's also going to show how resilient and how mm -hmm. prideful. So it's going to be at the Bartolini Gallery opening on August 20th. The first floor at the Civic Center is going to focus on the projects, how they were built. And then the third floor is going to be focused on the pole homes. There's redlining. There's mm -hmm. interviews. The future of Marin City. And then also in August 27th and 28th, at the Showcase Theater, there's going to be a play called The Spirit of Joseph James. And this is the uh, exhibit, and the play is being curated and produced by Jahi Torman. Because, of course, I'm not doing all this by myself. Well, you <laughs> probably could, but I know none of us can do anything yeah, all by ourselves. Right. So it takes but, a village always. Yeah. But this play is so significant because it is going to tell another story historic that happened in Marin County. There was a significant California Supreme Court case called James versus Marin Ship because at that time the Boilermakers were the union under Marin Ship and the Boilermakers wanted all the blacks to be in a separate union. Mm. And Joseph James was a welder, but he's like, I'm not going for this. And so he and others in Marin City they filed a lawsuit. They got the support of uh, Thurgood Marshall. Mm -hmm. But what's most significant is that the judge in Marin County named Judge Edward Butler, he ruled in favor of Joseph James and the black workers of mm -hmm. Marin Ship. So it actually became a California Supreme Court case. So this play is going to take place on August 27th and 28th at the Showcase Theater. And the exhibit is going to be up until November 1st. And then we're going to uh, culminate with a big music festival, blues, jazz, and soul on Labor Day. 
That's great. And then I'm going Ooh. on a big vacation. Then you're going to be take, yeah, a nice <laughs> long nap. A nice long vacation. <laughs> yeah. The theme I just keep kind of thinking about as I'm listening to you because the history is just sort of woven through your descriptions beautifully. So many people moved from the segregated South, as you said, to, to Marin City uh, for work, right? And the pay was good and the, the housing was good. And then the segregation started again. It was always there. By listening to the pioneers, they're going to tell their story like what they had the experience. Oh, I'm sure that'll be very impactful. Mm-hmm. But the cycle just keeps going, right? Yes. I mean, the segregation happened in the 40s in Marin City, and we had pioneers then. We have a pioneer sitting here with us mm-hmm. today. And we had them along the way, Vera Schultz, to get the housing built at all. I want to celebrate the the pioneers, the community, the beauty of the spirit of the folks in Marin City, yet I also think that the conversation can be opened up a little bit to talk about what we do. Today. I mean, Mm -hmm. why are we still having the same conversations over and over Mm -hmm. again? I believe because a lot of the history haven't been actually shared. Marin City has such a beautiful, rich history of people People who really just wanted the best for themselves, wanted for their families. Because Marin City can be stereotyped, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, crime-ridden, slum. People don't want anything for themselves. That is not true at all. Overall, we are a safe community. I mean, I even think of going through the pandemic. Our community COVID numbers were very low because how we're situated in a little bubble, but our community came together, all the agencies. uh, Play Marin would provide the hot meals and Sausalito School District worked with the food bank and our organization was responsible for distributing monies funded by the Marin Community Foundation to distribute to people so they could pay their bills. We were giving out diapers. You know, people did not have to go out because it was scary for everybody. Mm-hmm. But we stayed intact. So I feel that it's a fun community, is uh, family-oriented. And, you know, people need to know that this history, that people have been able to survive all the issues that have happened. And it's not only with housing, it's with education, it's with law enforcement, but The black people have been resilient, and that's why this legacy is going to be important to share. Mm. And we will be very much looking forward to all the events. We're going to let you go back to your very busy, very inspiring work. Thank you. Thank you, Felicia. Thank you, Thank you. you so much. Thank you. And I hope you get the ballet shoes on one of these days soon. <laughs> yes. As long yeah. as it comes with the tutu. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you can celebrate Marin City 80 beginning on August 20th when the exhibit opens at the Marin Civic Center. There will be a stage performance the following week on August 27th and 28th. And the celebration continues with a music festival, Labor Day weekend. Felicia also has just released a cookbook, Grandmothers Feed Us Love. For more about that, MC80 or Performing Stars Marin, go to performingstars.org. And be sure to catch our final MC80 episode with Oshala Marcus coming up next. The Marin Community Foundation generously sponsors this podcast. Our theme music is performed by a student at Enriching Lives Through Music, Elm is in San Rafael's Canal Neighborhood. 
Finally, a reminder to support diverse local businesses and shop Marin. <music>